Hey, uh, this morning before service, we actually had a little trivia game uh, about moms and Mother's Day that was running sort of pre-service. And if you were sitting in here, maybe you saw, but um, there were a couple of like little little truths that I grabbed from that that I just thought were kind of interesting. Uh, number one, um, that moms with three kids actually register the highest amounts of stress that for whatever reason, when you have four and five, it doesn't add to the stress, but between one and two and three. So uh, if you have three kids, um, we, we're behind you 100%. Like, hang in there. We just want you to know you'll, you'll be all right. Also, that the average child needs their diaper changed 4,702 times before they are... But yeah. Yes, every single day. Uh, no, before they're actually potty trained. Uh, the average mom spends 8,212 hours of her life cooking and doing dishes in the 18 years that their kids are growing up. And so uh, if you have more than one child and they span more than that 18 years, uh, yeah, it just, just gets compounded on top of that. Also, uh, this little, and you know, this will come as no surprise if you have uh, preschoolers, um, that mom, preschool, preschoolers need their mom's attention um, 210 times a day. And uh, that seems on the low end to me um, if you have a preschooler. Uh, but I, I was looking this week, and there's recent data that kind of estimates that we speak about 16,000 words a day. And uh, that kind of seems like a lot to me. But if you have little kids, it, it seems like they probably maybe talk more than that uh, because it feels like, you know, that's roughly the number of times they say the word mom in a day is 16,000 times. Uh, um, a couple of months ago, I was sitting at the village waiting to meet someone, and uh, I love people watching. It's far more entertaining than staring at my phone, and so usually when I'm in public, I just kind of watch people, and, uh, and, and I was sitting there and kind of looking around, and then I heard this kid saying, Mom, 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 and I was like, okay, I'm paying attention now, so I started looking over there, and there was these two young moms that had these little kids, and and uh, they were all running around, and then one kept coming up to his mom and demanding her attention. And then, and then it was so weird because he'd be like, Mom, Mom. And she'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's Mom, 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 Mom. And she'd finally go, what? And he would just smile and run away. And I'm like, all right, like I want to punch you, little kid. Like I, you know, like. But, but <clears throat> honestly, after 20 years of watching my wife and kids, like I think that moment for me kind of sums up what it feels like, I, I, you know, what I think it kind of feels like to be a mom on most days, where life is just sometimes reduced to what you can do for the little people that are around you. And, and from the time that we're very young, there's an emphasis for us that's placed on talking. And, and talking matters for sure. Our words are extremely important. But, but it, it feels like We've reached a point in our culture, especially, where everybody's talking and nobody's listening. And most conversations kind of end up with people sort of, at best, kind of talking past each other and sometimes shouting at one another. In our culture, we place a really high value on what you project rather than what you can actually absorb. And the truth is, is in most places in our culture, we're incentivized to have kind of one-sided conversations. Most of the tools and the platforms that we use every day invite us to turn the cameras and the microphones on ourselves and for us to tell the world what we're thinking and what we're feeling and what we're planning and what we're doing. 
And, and there's clubs and courses and classes that are built to teach us how to talk and market and debate and argue and persuade. But there's almost none of that that exists that teaches us how to focus on listening really well. But if everybody's talking and nobody's listening, isn't it all just kind of noise in the end? It's crazy in our culture that with the technology and the tools that we have at our disposal that more people feel isolated and disconnected and misunderstood and invisible than ever before. Sometimes we get into a series and I can approach the teaching from a position of experience and strength where I've learned and internalized and I'm living out the stuff that we're talking about. And there's other times, though, where I'm teaching from a position of weakness, where I'm sharing the things that I'm learning as I'm wrestling with the ideas in my own life. And for me, in a very real way, this is one of those series. I'm not a great listener, but I want to be and I want to get better. By the way, um, my mother and father-in-law are here this morning, and uh, could we just give them a hand? It's super cool to have them here. They, um, they normally watch online, but they decided they had to hear me preach live. It was, it was a dream that they've had for a long time. No, but when it comes to listening, part of the problem is that I get, I get paid to think about stuff to think about life and God and faith and the scriptures and then, well, and then tell people what I think. And so I just get used to talking and answering questions and solving people's problems and, and it's easy to get stuck in that mode. I mean, if you're a guy, guys, you know, men for better, for worse, like we're bent towards problem solving, right? And to the hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so we just be out here solving people's problems, right guys? So we're listening to the extent that we can identify and diagnose the problem, and then boom, you can stop talking now and just listen to my wise and benevolent advice on how to solve your problem. But here's what I've discovered to be true, that my strategies to fix your problems almost never work. Proverbs 18 chapter I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 says this. It says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. I actually like how it's stated in the message version of the scriptures. It says, Answer, answering before listening is both stupid and rude, which is true. So yeah, that's a problem. So there's that problem for me, which is like I'm sorting through trying to figure out where the problem is that I can jump on and solve. But the other problem that I have, and this one kind of I think plagues us all according to all the data that's out there, is that I actually think I'm a better listener than I am. What researchers have found is that from a big picture perspective is that most of us admit and understand that we're not great listeners. The problem is is that when they looked at specific individuals and specific individual conversations, we all actually believe that we're better listeners than we are. So like most people kind of land in this place where they're like, overall, I'm not a great listener, but in this conversation, I'm absolutely killing that listening game which doesn't make any sense. Now the question becomes, why talk about this in church? What does any of this have to do with God? Well, as it turns out, a lot. God actually has a lot to say 
to us in this conversation about listening. And in fact, at one point, God actually says in the scriptures, you got one mouth and two ears, you do the math. Always be in a hurry to listen, but pump the brakes on running your mouth. So as it turns out, that's sort of what God said. That's more of my loose paraphrase of James chapter 1, verse 19. But James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, he actually wrote, this is what he said. He said, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. There is a wisdom and a depth that comes from a life of understanding that we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. That it's the best way to live is that we actually live our lives being good listeners and talking less. Now, it's counterintuitive, but us being heard often starts with us listening. Most of the time we think, in order for me to be heard, I need to talk more. I need to talk louder. I need to be more clear. I need to project better. But the truth is, is if you actually want to be heard in your life, you become somebody who starts listening and people will start to listen to you. There's a story in the Old Testament that I think kind of helps illustrate this whole idea. It's found in the book of Ruth. And even though the book itself is is about this lady named Ruth. In the opening scene, we're actually told the story of her mother-in-law, whose name is Naomi. So if you have a Bible and you want to flip there, or, you know, open your Bible app or whatever, you can follow along. If not, the scriptures will be on the screen. So in Ruth chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, it says this. It says, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in, in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Melon and Kilian. Those of you that are pregnant, this story is full of great options for baby names. Um, and when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah, you get a husband and you get a husband. <clears throat> and the other one was named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Melon and Killian died. This left Naomi alone with her two sons. Wait, no, with her two daughters-in-law and without a husband. Without her two sons and without her husband. So there's a famine they have to leave their home. They have to move because of the famine. They finally get settled in a new place. And then her husband dies. Then both of her sons die and she's alone. And, and honestly, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. Like that, that's, a pretty heavy, that's a pretty heavy story. That's a lot of tragedy. And, and the truth is in those moments, we don't really know what to say. The problem is that doesn't stop us. We say it anyway. And most of the time, we don't know what to say, and so we do what nobody in that situation wants. We give people advice. We say really trite and cliche things. But the truth is, people aren't really usually looking for solutions. They're, they're actually just wanting a sounding board. They're wanting somebody to stop and pay attention and to listen. The, the truth is, is that we actually fail people when we try to heal them before we hear them. 
So the greatest gift we can give each other is our attention. And it's true in tragedy, but it's also just true in life. Right? We, we all want to be listened to in a way that says, look, your feelings and your perspectives are really important to me. They matter. And it's true in big stuff, and it's true in the small stuff. It's true in our joys and in our sorrows. It's true in our successes and our failures and our problems. I mean, think about the, the sorts of things that you're compelled to share with the people that you're closest to. I mean, if you just kind of kept a, a record of the conversations that you have with the people in your life, much of it is just kind of mundane, sort of bizarro, stream of consciousness kind of thoughts that are only interesting to them because they're interested in you. We willingly share our thoughts about almost anything. Like if it pops into our head, for most of us, especially those people that are closest to us, we're going to say it to them. The truth is, is that listening actually feels a lot like love. So much so that the people who don't feel listened to often don't feel loved. Which is really inconvenient though, right? I mean, because we told them we loved them. Right, like we help out around the house. We buy them some gifts. We work hard, support them. We pick up after them or we pick up after ourselves. And the truth is that's all awesome, but it's not a substitute for actually leaning in and paying attention and listening. So the story in Ruth goes on. In verse 7, it says this. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from that place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. By the way, have, have you ever had things get so bad, you just need like a physical change of scenery. You're like, I need, I need to get out of this place. Like, I've had it with this dump. We got no food. We got no job. Our pets' heads are falling off. Clearly, there's like two of us that have seen Dumb and Dumber. It's, it's hurtful, you guys. That was a good, that was a good reference. Verse 8 says, But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. It's just like beaches. Not really. Now, I know this is a really unique to this Bible story, and it's not like any other act interaction you've ever had with the women in your life, but Naomi actually tells them to do the opposite of what she wants them to do. I know you've never experienced that at all, ever. Isn't it confusing when that happens? Like, remember when you first got married and your wife was like, yeah, I don't care about that. And you're like, oh, sweet, you don't, you don't actually care about that. And then you only had to make that mistake like eight times before you started realizing like she actually means the opposite. But, but so that's what Naomi's doing. Like I, I think it's like in this moment, she's actually telling them that she wants, you know, she's telling them the opposite of what, why would she do that? Well, maybe she feels bad. Maybe she doesn't want to burden them. Maybe she's not even fully aware of what she wants in the moment. Maybe she's wondering, right, if they're, if they're actually truly listening and paying attention, if they actually care. Like, like experts actually tell us that at least 60% of the emotions behind what we're saying are transmitted non-verbally. So like, it, it, like you wonder why things go sideways on that text message thread you're on. It's because like 
60 to 80% of what the emotion behind what they're saying, you can't even see it. You can't even experience it. You're not getting it. Because if you're not looking at the person, you're not getting the whole story because you can't see and read their facial expressions and you can't see if their skin is flushed or if they're sweating or their posture or their body language or if they're making a gesture, which, you know, they can use emojis for that, I guess. But, but, Sometimes listening can be a lot of work because you're trying to read all of that information and catching all of that and deciphering all of that. See, there's a difference between hearing somebody and actually listening to them because hearing is just passive. Your ears will just pick up noise. But listening is active. It actually costs us something. And to actually understand takes a lot of effort. The cost of listening is paid with our attention. And so Naomi tells her daughters-in-law to leave, and they all break down and have a good cry together. Verse 10, no, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry again. Do you ever, like know like people are upset and they just say obvious things like we know you're old Naomi and we also get how childbearing works she says even if I were able to get married tonight and bear sons then what would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else no of course not my daughters things are far more bitter for me than they are for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me so like she's on a roll now like this is a full-blown pity party that is warranted. She's been through a lot. This is a a woman that's been through a lot, but she's now like, no, just leave me alone. God hates me. She's on a roll, and the more that she talks, the darker it gets. Have you ever been in a situation where you stop to listen for a moment and then you ask a follow-up question and you're just kind of making conversation and but that in that moment it's like a dam broke and all this stuff comes spilling out of that person it was like they had so much sort of pent up inside of them that that they felt like they didn't have anyone to listen to but the moment that you paid attention for just a second it just kind of came all gushing out and sort of puking out all over like and, and, and maybe you're like, yeah, I've had those. That's exactly why I don't ask questions. I'm just like, mm-hmm, okay, keep on moving. A few years ago, we were living in a, a small community in, in Northern California, and um, there was only a gas station and a Walgreens in our town. And, um, and, and we were the only church in a town of about 5,000 people. And so it didn't matter how many people went to our church. They, everybody knew who I was. And so... I hated going to Walgreens, and so we went into, I went into Walgreens early one morning, and there was nobody there, and I was like, great, and so um, I was standing on the candy aisle, and, uh, and then one of the workers came walking up and said hello, and I was like, hey, and then she kind of was like, hey, and I was like, what's, how are you, what's going on, and like 45 minutes later, I was like praying with her. I just wanted a butterfinger. <laughs> or have you been on the other side where you didn't realize how much you really needed to share until someone just seemed to be actually interested? And 
Re- research has actually found that, that people tend to share their most pressing burdens and concerns with people that they don't actually even know very well, but who seem to be genuinely listening to them instead of sharing them with those people that they claim to be close to, but who aren't paying attention. And if social media has taught us anything, it's that we all crave connection and vulnerability, but we'll settle for disclosure and for oversharing. You have those people that you're friends with on social media, and you're like, "Mm, probably shouldn't have said that. I think you included too many details. By the way, I've noticed that the more that people have of the first, the more connection, the more they're known, the more vulnerability, the more intimacy they have in their friendships, the less prone they are to do the second. The story continues in Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, it says, and again they wept together and then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. It, you almost, when you, get the, when you start reading the story, you almost get the feeling that as soon as Orpah kind of heard what she wanted to hear, she left. Like, like have you ever, ever kind of asked that question where, like, the person's clearly not okay, but you're like, mm, I need to go. So, like, you're okay, right? Like, I'm... And they said yes, and, you know, they're just over there just like total, and you're just, nah, I don't want to get involved. And so you took their response at face value so you could just move on and not get involved. It doesn't, by the way, if you've ever done that, doesn't mean you're a jerk. It just means that you're busy and human. But I, you kind of get the feeling like that that's where Orpah was, where she was just like, you know, I'm going to leave. And she's like, you, you need to leave. She's like, no. Yes, okay. The, the problem is that most of us are too distracted and too preoccupied to realize that we're just being inattentive to the people around us. You're thinking about your to-do list or what you want to do later to relax or the things that are emotionally weighing you down or how hungry you are or how tired you are or what's happening on your phone. I mean, there's a million ways to bail out of complex conversations, and unfortunately, most of us take them even when we shouldn't. Proverbs chapter, 12, chapter 20, verse 12 says this, says, ears to hear and eyes to see both are a gift from God. It's a gift. It's something that we receive from God, but we are able to give to others. In the end, listening is about getting to the why behind the what. Why, why are they telling me this? And I'm not talking sarcastically, like, which we've all done, right? Like, why are you telling me this? Right, where we just want them to shut up and stop talking. But I mean legitimately asking yourself that question to get below the surface. So in all the, the, the research and all the, 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 like, brainstorming and reading and preparing for this series, this is, like, one of the, the tools that has come in most handy for me recently. Because half the time... My kids are coming up to me and they're telling me stuff. And the thing that's been super helpful to me is to, is to actually ask myself the question, why are they telling me this? And I'm actually able to see, oh, this isn't the dumb thing they're talking about. This is them trying to get their dad's attention. See, it's actually a really 
basic, simple, but helpful tool to actually step back and go, why is this person, why are they telling me? What if, what if the random stuff they're telling you isn't all that random, right? Whether it's your kids or your boss or your neighbor or your husband or your wife, right? See, the people in our lives, they're revealing their deepest selves to us all the time through what they say. But because we're so often, we're not listening. We don't actually hear what they're really saying. So often we don't take the time to ask, why are they telling me this? We get so hung up on what people are saying, we completely miss why they're saying it. But what if the next time you actually came home from work and your spouse decided to give you a massive verbal list of all the things they did that day, and it's incredibly tedious, what if you just pause and ask yourself, why, why, are, they, why are they telling me all of this? Well, maybe because what they're really saying is, look, I worked really, really hard today, just like you. And what I do, I want it to be seen and valued and appreciated. And I want it to be recognized and respected for my contribution to this family. What I've discovered is that sometimes the person themselves might not even know why they're telling you what they are. Because sometimes we do things in a bid for connection. We do things to, in a bid to be seen and to be heard, to be noticed, to be validated. And sometimes it's not until we're actually heard that we realize just how deeply we needed that moment to be heard. Which is actually what happens with Ruth and Naomi. In verse 16, it says this, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Now that is commitment. This is a beautiful and incredibly human moment between two people. Ruth actually gives Naomi the most valuable gift one person can give someone else. And that's validation, which was all that Naomi needed to move forward. Verse 18, it says, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued, they continued on in their journey. See, I don't think the language and the story is incidental. It says that when she saw that Ruth was determined, right? When she, when she felt seen and heard, they both were able to start actually moving forward again. They continued on in their journey. I wonder how often people get stuck kind of circling the same patch of desert in their life because they feel like no one sees them and no one hears them because there's no one to journey with them. Well, what if all we need to move forward in our life is for someone to see us, to truly listen to us, and to hear our story? I've been reading this book called The Listening Life by a guy named Adam McHugh. He actually begins his book this way. He says, good listening starts with the scandalous premise that this conversation isn't about you. I love that. I love that. I wonder if there's someone in your life that you easily blow past. I wonder if the person, if there's a person that you discount, that you ignore. I wonder if the person that you discount the most and the voice that you silence most frequently 
is your own. What if today you and I determined to give somebody the gift of our attention? What would that look like? Maybe you're like me and you recognize that you're not great at this. If you're feeling really courageous, maybe ask the people that are close to you. Like, What is it like to experience me as a listener? They'll tell, they'll tell you the truth, by the way. I hope you're ready for it. Because <laughs> most of us are going to get news that we probably don't want to hear. There are some simple things that we can do to get better. First, just get curious. Good listeners are good questioners. Asking people questions, not to, you know, they're asking to learn, not to fix them or save them or advise them or correct them. This is one of the things that Jesus was a master at. He always asked great open-ended questions. I actually kind of just ran through some of the Gospels this week and jotted down a few of the questions that Jesus asked. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Who are you looking for? Why are you searching for me? Who do, you say, who do people say that I am? Who, why do you ask me about what is good? Why are you so afraid? Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Why were you arguing on the road? What were you fighting about? Isn't it amazing that the one who knew everything made no assumptions and took nothing for granted but was willing to just be curious and ask questions? See, the, the way that you can actually begin to connect a little better with the people in your life is stop assuming you know everything that they're going to say. Stop assuming you know them better than you actually do and simply ask them some questions. And then secondly, you know, listen with your whole self because how I listen speak volumes, right? All of my kids, I have four kids, I have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old and 11-year-old and a six-year-old and all of them at different times have done this thing when they were little where they would come up and tell me something and they'd be like, daddy, daddy, I want to tell you something, I want to tell you something. And I was be like, yeah, buddy, go ahead. You know, I'm listening. Go ahead, sweetheart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm listening kind of half paying attention. They'd say, no, daddy, listen, I want to tell you something. And yeah, 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 go, I'm listening, go. And eventually every single one of them when they were little would crawl up in my lap and grab my face and turn my head and look until I was looking them straight in the eyes. And they'd say, no, daddy, with your eyes. Somehow they knew at three and four and five years old what good listening looked like and felt like. See, because how we listen communicates value and priority and validation, which is such a huge part of God's kingdom and, and, and how God wants us to treat other people. See, people are his highest value, and, and we want his highest value to be our highest value. What, what if that became the objective for you and for me in every area of life and all of our relationships? What if we determined that we were just going to be people who would really listen other people, that we would ask questions, that we would dive deeper, that we would be curious, that we uncover the why behind what they're saying, that we would be willing to posture ourselves to learn something about the people that we think we know the best. By the way, moms do a lot of listening, but sometimes don't get the opportunity to be heard. So what if you just started with your mom today? What if besides a card or the flowers you got her, what if the gift that you gave your mom this Mother's Day 
was the gift of a listening ear. What if while you were out today and having lunch or going and visiting her or whatever, calling her on the phone or Zoom, you just asked her some questions about her and just listened? I, I wonder what that would do for her. I wonder how loved that would make her feel. What, what if you just started there? Finally, the most important conversation you'll ever have, the most important voice you'll ever listen to is the voice of your heavenly father, the God who created you, and he's here for you and with you, and he's speaking. The question is, are you listening? We were created to get our life from Jesus, and, but when we don't get our life from the source of life, I start trying to get life from you by trying to get you to listen to me rather than me listening to you in love and humility. And if you've never stopped to actually listen to God speak your name and whisper into your soul, well, today is the day and now is the time. This is a beautiful moment where you can allow God to begin to speak into your life. Let's pray together.